Hey there, everybody, and welcome. This is Tevo Creative Leadership Ministries, TCM, but also known as TCL, TevoCreativeLeadership.com. We're over here discussing true and false religion and not in any other kind of religion or faith, but only the Christian faith. I figured if the Christians can't get it figured out, then you know, the ministers, then why bother to even try to go to discuss Jesus and convert people from other faiths, other belief systems? Besides, we don't want to force anybody, convert them. We want the Holy Spirit to lead them. But if we can't lead them because we're incorrect, we have faulty doctrine, as in fault-finding, legalism, accusing, presumptuous, occult, psychic, which is out there, Man, we better work on us first. In fact, I'm reminded of the scripture in the New Testament. You know, I found out with certain kinds of doctrine out in the deep southwest when I was there, I'd say it was more like good old person's doctrine, not too humble. But I found out that if they did something that was not right because they were reprobate and you tried to hold them accountable, Matthew 18, 15, respectfully, one-to-one, humble Galatians 6-1, which is my style, then you would get accused and blamed for being not sweet like baby Jesus because they were (laughs) unsound doctrine, but also pretty good at being uh, manipulative, cunning, using false authority. So when this happens, you know, I had a piano, a computer, many things. When I first got out to Texas area in the deep southwest, I never knew that uh, famous fan club followers, not the head people, but the ones they don't know that are doing this, would be that cunning and that sly to the new visitor, a lone person, and also a peer, an office peer. They didn't have any discernment. So because I'd been in ministry all my life, raised by Christian, real Christians, my father and mother who were pastors, and I had also been well-respected as a person first, not just a female, just a female, but as a real human, which is, I believe, I that's how I see people, real humans first, and then, oh yeah, they are that or that, race or gender, whatever. I believe it's the human that is needing the ministry, not the typecasting, biased, chauvinist, or whatever racist thing going on in too many of these big clubby circles. So I'm out of those circles. And I've been out for a long time. In fact, down in the deep Southwest, after I'd been in ministry for decades, even with my own ministry, Christian ministry to ministers, I dropped out. The Lord led me to drop out of being a charismatic because the doctrines had gotten too off dark, spooky, and controlling. And uh, I just didn't feel that it was representing what I believe is the New Testament first church, because that has to have authority that's not ornery, but is also not divided into turf-protecting, categorizing, stereotyping, hierarchy, and bias. I didn't feel that was, I couldn't find that in Jesus or Paul when I read the New Testament and when I read it. So it drove me to the Lord. And what I came out was, was all this reproof correction, which is my basic call of Second Timothy three sixteen and 17. We're going to have a series over on tclleader.com and teammateu.com, teammate university. We're going to have one called the Welp Studies, 
and I've done that. Whelp and Whelm. The Whelp are Western European Levitical patriarchs, and the Whelm are Western European Levitical matriarchs. Usually they're stern, austere matrons <laughs> that they put second and third in command that are really pretty, pretty strong and pretty, I hate to say it, pretty mean. So I'm not a matron, and I'm not a matriarch. Because I don't want to be one. I, I was raised around one in my family and I learned not to. But my dad was not a patriarch. He wasn't fierce. You know, he was he was just a nice father, a loving, caring Christian, very respectful and honorable and smart, a noble Berean. But he loved my mother and sister and his mother and her mother and myself like we were humans first. So I wasn't raised back under the dogmatic levitical austere authoritarian hierarchical law it really wasn't and just because you were doesn't mean you can't grow and just because you're under it doesn't mean you're like haughty or you know a typical dogmatist so we want to say one by one i think we got to say this from now on out i've been trying to teach it all right one by one we're born one by one by one we choose to serve the savior or not one by one we're we're called one by one we'll do our life and make our choices and make a difference or not one by one we'll either stand alone before god's throne in heaven or we'll be by ourselves forever without our social media network in hell so i try to live my life one by one not making a typecast stereotype because i think that devalues people that's a critical spirit it's haughty because you presume that they're not as good as you they only warrant being a your stereotype and i think that's a lot of what's going on in america and in some of these circles the critical spirit and the chauvinism ornery christian minister that is biased i just can't believe what i've seen because i was raised so opposite by my father and along the way because i grew up in virginia and i grew up in virginia i don't remember anything that in the charismatics it was not until i moved down to the more clubby tv affected uh i don't know famous i don't know if it's just the area of dfw and then i've seen it in sort of mega since and i have toured you know i tell people now for a while i'll still say it because people don't know me but when i was 24 i'd already you know met the lord and was a, had been through the jesus people movement was out of college married no children yet one day i was sitting in the in the church a presbyterian church half charismatic half not and it was a church i felt we felt sent to not because we are presbyterian at all i never have been that way i was raised baptist southern baptist but not dogmatic legalistic not fundamentalist in fact we were happy and fun not fundamentalists and so i never saw anything like that and also we were not tongue talkers and even though I have the Holy Spirit all my, you know, since 20, it was never in a dogmatic fashion. And I was not raised by around charismatic or Pentecostal doctrine. See, I didn't know that makes a difference. I thought when I was a, you know, Jesus person, Baptist, spirit-filled, easygoing, Billy Graham, Jesus person type. In ministry, I thought, oh, yeah, you just speak in tongues. And maybe they look a little more country more than often, you know, not all our country. And country's fine. 
everybody's got their call. I was raised around country, near country, because my dad had a church out in the country, he and my mother, but I am not country, and I can tell a difference. And then, therefore, if I was not raised under the law, and a lot of these more Pentecostals were, not all, not putting you down for that, you just got to know that you got to be more watchful and mature about how you handle accusation. That's basically the bottom line. Accusation is a, seems like in the American psyche, you know, the old typical Pentecostal preacher, the old typical, you know, Southern preacher, apostle, whatever, dogmatist screaming, you know, at the Jezebel, screaming at the sinner, you vile sinner, you, you know, the, the Pharisee, that's in American movies or something, but it's out there, and a lot of people don't know the difference that they're, most Pentecostals and most Christians and Spirit-filled Charismatic are not like that, but there's something going on, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and media, that makes people now biased toward a Christian. Well, I can tell you, because I was trying to figure this out 50, last how many years, 18 years, because after I moved to Dallas, I thought, man, I didn't realize it's such a huge issue because the per capita in ministry of tongue talkers was bigger than I'd ever met. Also, the per capita of good old boys that were Christians, good old boy ministries and chauvinist and misogyny, I had never experienced like racial bias from white people and I'm white until I got in the subculture, the mixture subculture of Demas achievement and the, what Obadiah in the prophet of Obadiah in the Old Testament named as the Edomite priesthood of the Edomite remnant, you know, the Edomite ancestor infiltrating. Well, the Edomites were Esau's relatives, the carnal side of the Jacob family, Jacob and Esau, that twin. And those are known by the historians as the hireling priesthood. So the hireling priesthood, let's get ahead, let's make achievement, let's build it big, let's get famous, was out there like I had never seen. And I'd seen some of it. Because wherever TV came on in the, you know, with Christian television and starting to be popular media and glossy magazines advertising your famous conference, that started in the 80s and 90s, and it's only grown in mushroom, multiplied by heaven-sent and hell-sent uh, materialism and also wealth, ease, and, you know, prior to COVID, and uh, whatever this is, interested in entertainment, even in churches. We're pro-excellence. We're pro-white. We're pro-black. We're pro-brown. We're pro-anybody, and a Pentecostal tongue-talker or not. But I come from both. I come from a very orderly, happy, gentle family, fine-tuned, heard the Holy Spirit even without speaking in tongues. And then I come from when all these movements started that are famous today. And my mom got the Holy Spirit later. My dad never did, yet he is the most loving and honorable, contented man, respectful man, and also head of home up with the Father God now than I have ever met, and I've never, the anointing of love, just gentle, gentlemanly love is on my heart because of that man, and um, when mom came along, you know, mom was his wife, my mother, she had been raised more, I guess, aristocratic, 
patriarchal. And so I saw her nature versus his. His was soft-spoken, you know, leader, uh, persuasive. Hers was more commandeering and barking. You know, so I learned I don't want to be like that. I've never wanted to be like that. However, her dominating side, his was not. Her mother was not. Her aunt, her sister, my aunt was not. They were my, you know, they were more like me. It showed me how not to be as a female, but it also held me back because I didn't know how not to be controlled. It took me decades. And then I married, you know, I didn't know I was getting into a big controlling, dominating situation in that and a very fierce dominating position. And then I, I, all the doctrines that came through the years as I studied the Christian movements, I didn't know that within the charismatic Pentecostal groups, not all of them, thank God, but certain ones which I did not know until later were called shepherding, which I now identify as the shepherding, controlling, patriarchal white movement, which I have renamed after studies Welp, Western European Levitical Patriarchism and Matriarchism. And why I named it Welp was because it came naturally. I studied, after I got scanned and diagnosed, after I started to get find myself being racially profiled by white people, I thought, I'm going to racially profile them back because I just walk in. I'm quiet. I was very quiet. Very quiet, very calm, there to hear God, learn about the movements, and these were Holy Spirit movements. So I thought, you know, I go to this kind of Holy Spirit movement, real Pentecostals. They like me. They don't flare up, stand me down, stare at me, scan me, act spooky. Black people never do. Hispanics, Vietnamese, Baptists, Catholics, missionary Baptists, all the normal kinds of Christians just are ba basically ready to fellowship. You know, say, hi, sister, that type of thing. But when you walk into a conference, when you walk into a, you know, with joy in your face, because I have joy, and word of faith is not like that. You walk into the Holy Spirit movements that have the whelp, Western European, and you start to get this, instead of, oh, hi, a smile, a greeting, you just get a scan. You get a dark scowl if they are that kind, you know, that occult or, you know, too far into that but you don't get the the joy. There's something about, in the office prophet portrayal, it's not exactly happy camper time, usually. Even though I enjoy a lot, I've really been blessed much by gifted whelp, but it took me a while to determine, wow, I'm not really feeling love. I don't feel love. I don't feel respected. I don't feel honored. I don't feel discerned correctly because of bias. So I racially profiled it back after they did that to me when I had found myself as a doctrinal person. I was raised by my mother's knee watching her Perry Mason reruns, which I guess from five on up got me to notice every nuance, inflection, eyebrow to you know be a good student, sort of set me up ready for this, this uh, ministry, prophetic ministry of discerning people and doctrines. So even though I was raised happy, I wasn't raised spooky. I was raised respected, but I wasn't raised around tongue talkers. It was there. Only then when I started crossing over to this one kind only, only one kind of deep south, everywhere in the deep south, Florida, 
Texas, Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina, you name a southern state, it's there. And I had been sent around to study the different movements, outpourings, revivals, but I didn't find it in every one, but I found it only when I noticed the same subculture, and these were Western European leaders, the well, Western European background, they were usually sedentary, there were usually barely a single, maybe one black person on the staff, if any, no leaders at the time. This is the 90s. And they had this, I guess you'd say, a stern, fierce turf protecting. And when I studied the first time that I ever felt that was Charlotte, I thought, you know, let me study their doctrines, and this is how I found out. But it turned out they were all white and they were all patriarchal, colonial, and they were, I call them, we-centric. Red state, that means I'm more global, I'm more diverse, I have an energy, a happy energy, rhythmic energy, that really African Americans and internationals and non-traditional people really like it, liberals like it. I just have an at ease, a joy, that I'm not really too concerned about myself. I don't know if that's it. But anyway, we like good parts and good qualities of all these people and therefore the grace of God go I but there is a giant subculture in this giant around the nation around the world that is really I hate to say it gotten ornery and biased prejudiced all right in Dallas I had never known how big this is because it was like I couldn't get away from it whenever I wanted to get away from my own ministry and just be with other Christians and hear God and take a break and go worship. I I just didn't know that down there, because I was an expat, not from their field. They didn't know me. I had a different energy or whatever in the white. I'm talking about white ones only. That all I had to do was walk in and I would be sized up. I would be sized up charismatics. And I felt like the desire to be over me, like being owned. I felt like all they wanted to do is, yep, one more, put a bag over her head, a net over her. She's ours. Nobody wanted to speak. Nobody wanted to relate. Nobody wanted to get to know me. I was just a form, a type, a senior citizen, a one more, one more white woman. Yeah, fan club. Really, the fan. I was mistaken too often for a fan. I still am in that kind of group. They, It is really a despairing thing for our nation and for new visitors to be treated, mistreated like that from the get-go. That's why I'm being this pronounced, this outspoken, to get attention to the movement so they perhaps will re- you know, get themselves repentant and also study their own doctrines to see, you know, is that in the Bible? That's real, that is Levitical law, all males, no females, all were over everybody. That is that with patricianism, Roman patricianism, need to be great and over everybody, aristocrat, showbiz is another part. Roman patricianism is elite. There is a lot of elite in that, too much. Why? Why? Where does this come from? It only makes me want to know, where are you reading this in the Bible, in the New Testament? When I studied uh, Obadiah, studied Isaiah, due to this, the Eli Temple priesthood, compassion fatigue, lovers of wo women, lovers of money, 
preceding the national Ichabod, it really was concerning, and it still is. It really is. Right now, we're at a crux. We've been at a crux. I don't know if it's too late now, but it's just that much. So we tried to get online, try to warn it, try to teach it doctrinally, done all the blogs and studies, Levitical Patriarchism, and I'm having the course, the WELP studies, in starting on Teammate U in about a week or two. I've been teaching on it for like several years, so I have tons, tons, a 20-part series. I called it, uh, I called it the Art of Whelp. You know, you've heard of the Art of War. I have that on one of my YouTubes, the Art of Whelp. Know your accuser, because I never met any, my dad was not, and my mom, they were not gossips, accusers, false witness bearers. You never heard them talk about a soul or against a soul. Never in my life. My grandmother, my aunt, nobody in our family ever did anything like that. So I'm not used to accusation. I'm not used to Phariseeism. I'm not used to big eye, little view. I'm not used to prejudice against women. I'm not used to it. I was raised not under the Levitical law. I've determined that the word in modern day times, Christianity, the word Levitical and critical go together, and that's a sign about the law. It tells us something. The law in New Testament days accuses. Witch watching accuses. Seeing Jezebels but never speaking to verify and confirm up close when it's supposed to be like a family feel in ministry is just despicable. It really, and it is big. It has gotten big. And I teach on Holy Spirit. I teach on worship. I move in the gifts. And that is in the field where I go and I get biased against by this only this one type. I don't feel, I am not a good old girl. I'm not a good old person. And I respect your culture. But listen, there is a spirit if you're a Christian, you cannot be a good old person. A good old person is immune. They're sort of, you know, biased. They don't know it. But there is an energy and a, an indifference, a deflection of new people. Like you can't understand or get along or even want to try to love somebody not like yourself. Now, I can be just as, you know, if, I, if you catch me off guard, I can be ornery. But I'm not really. I really try hard not to. I'm conscious very conscious if somebody else is around, if they may be different from me, another skin color, another, you know, stranger in town, another kind of Christian. I'm very alert all the time to be a representative, a good ambassador for the Lord. You know, when the Indian Mahatma Gandhi, the pacifist, the famous renowned Indian over there in India, he he said a quote that is always really touched my heart, really made me think how awful tragedy. But I've lived this. I've seen it when I was in Dallas. I thought of this a lot. So when Mahatma Gandhi was quoted, he said, I might have, I might have invited Jesus to be my savior. However, I kept meeting too many of his disciples, something like that. And I went, wow, I've met too many of his representatives, something of that nature. And I went, wow, there for the grace of God go I. But the reason Mahatma Gandhi said that, I could see. <laughs> I've been around it too. When they're like when I was an expat and my energy's different or I'm more, you know, something in my nature, my DNA doesn't strike a chord with them. They've never met anybody different than themselves. 
in that whole culture, then you got to think, wow, if all the blue state, I thought this before COVID, if all the blue states are moving, ever moved down there, this is before they did, what are they going to say when they meet this crowd that's down there? What are they going to, what's going to, how can we get anyone to want to know Jesus? I used to think, personally, when I was down there, I thought, man, if I didn't know Jesus and meet real Christians before I moved down there to the deep south DFW with charismatics, I would never want to know him. I wouldn't trust him. I wouldn't know who he is. Who's he supposed to, is he a misogynist? Is he mixture? Is he Ishmael? Is he biased? Is he a womanizer? Is he a two-faced? Is he a bloke? Is he a crazy medic? Witch watcher? Is he, what is he? Is he in it for the money? That's all I could think of. It was that sober. So it got me this passionate for Jesus houses, for his real Messiah to be portrayed for real ministry and then evaluate who is, who is not organic in the New Testament sense in the spirit filled groups. And am I? So Paul is the mentor. Paul is the basis. You can always look at Paul. Paul said, which I love, servant leader Umble Paul said he was proud of the Gale- of the Nobaburian Jews because they picked apart his doctrine. He expected, he liked it, frankly, when people examined his teachings to see if it really was according to the Bible. Back then they had the law, and that is fine with me. I submit everything now as a sila in my teaching, not as dogma, because I know how bad it is when people are so bossy and dogmatic and that is how the liberal feels and that is how the gay feels and that is how the people who've been marginalized and put down in society probably the democrat and all these things i'm not for anybody's lifestyle if i but i'm for their humanity i'm for them being treated with respect by a Christian, no matter what their look, their politics, their style, their vibe, their race, their energy, their gender, their choices, it doesn't offend me. I believe in the love of the Father for his creation and every one of these people around the globe, everybody is made fearfully and wonderfully by the Lord, but they can't hear about him if they're put off by our, you know, prejudice. They're resentful now. People are very resentful because of what they've experienced like Gandhi. Gandhi said, I might have been a Christian had I not met so many of his followers. And Gandhi showed up to go to church and they turned him away in India because his skin was too brown. Can you believe that? So we don't want to be like that. We don't want to lead people to think, oh yeah, Jesus is just like that. He's just a biased misogynist. Oh, he's just a user, a slave master, wanting to own people, wanting to, he's not really true, he's just playtime, hail fellow, well-met fantasy, plastic, to get ahead, wannabe. No, 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 he's not. That's why I'm this passionate, that's why I'm fired up, that's where I'm for a personal inner revival for the Christian and the minister. Because we've got a future church, but we're not going to have one. We can't have one at this rate. And I didn't start saying it now. I've said it for 10 years from Dallas on. I really have. I had, I had a picture when I was there in 2005. I moved out there. And by the time 2006 had happened, 
I'd gotten too much of an experience. I had a helper and I, you know, a male helper and he's very kind. He'd had brain damage. He was like a child, but he was a great guitarist and a friend, nice person. So I found out that every time I met someone, including him, that said they were married or dating somebody, they were really living with them. So a lot of people who were in ministry, stage ministry, were not really exactly what I was used to. So I had to let him go. But the point is that every time down there, I'd gotten so gun-shy of any helper that was walking off the street that said they were a Christian I thought, if they say they're married, you better ask to see legal proof that they are, because you can't, in my ministry, be fornicating, shacking up, and you got to be legally married, or else you're still welcome to come, but you can only visit. You can't be in office, ministry, stage, ministry, in my opinion. So you have to know there are people that are going to be gun shy of the Christian and I'm certainly heightened aware and that's why I'm very careful how I respect all people including the non-believers and that's why I'm teaching so frankly (laughs) to make the point to the people online where I minister I'm talking to the Christian because why bother so within the Christian community think well where does this whelp come from why is it needed well whelp we is a subculture of doctrine, spiritual doctrine back under the law, but also it has occult and cultish, and it has gifted, wise, really great talent, really good music, good qualities, and devout fans, tons of devout fans, thousands upon thousands upon thousands, but it's all white, practically all white. They're not wanting, most of them do not want to be all white, but they are, But I walk in and I carry an energy that black people really know. And they, black people and I are very friendly with each other. You know, they just warm up and I warm up to them most of the time. And I walk into the whelp, though. They who have barely any black person in the audience, especially on staff or women, they flare up. I start getting scanned. And because I am a prophet and an experienced prophet seer, I'll know it. I thought, oh no, I'm getting red again, getting diagnosed. They won't speak. They're very cultish, but it's their way of turf protecting and of suppressing, spying on people, I guess. I know it's really, they say it's for damage control. And I see part of, I can see only a part of it. But if they don't have any love, they're not really joyful. They're only into mind games emotional intrigue it is very very wearying and disrespectful it's demeaning to me because i'm an office you know you don't have to be famous to please jesus but you have to be famous to be respected by the well you really do men and women it's just amazingly i found that in dallas i found it up here so I don't go where they're whelp or it will you know it's a spirit a demon spirit and it's conscious so i walk in and i'm so you know, just really plain tired of dealing with that. It's really foolish to think you can't go now into worship in a prophetic ministry, basically, or spirit-filled to hear God without somebody looking at you, staring at you, diagnosing you, and calling you some evil, evil eye name, putting a word curse on you. You're a witch, you're a Jezebel, whatever, a supplanter, 
the usual vocabulary. Man, so I, I'm confronting it. That's why I'm doing it. It's awful. It is just awful. So I can teach you, Prophet, if you want to know how to scan the right way without sinning, without going into the wrong realm, but I'm not going to do it here. Um, we need to have sort of a foot-on-the-ground mentality in all the groups. What is a foot-on-the-ground? Well, it's like a Baptist, part Baptist. They're always cheerful. They always greet people. They're cognizant. They're aware that another person is there. They're not in the dream world, soaking in the ether and aloof, avoidant, proud. They're, they're just servant leaders, and so are African-Americans. Every time I go in, I'm always greeted and smiled at, and that is a huge thing. Same with Catholics, same with missionaries. I mean, many, all people except this group. <laughs> so it makes me think, huh, what's the common factor? There's something false. There's something wrong if they are acting privileged. I don't know if it's privileged. Is that the word? It sounds privileged. So when I've looked at my diagnosis of when I was, you know, racially profiling them back, I did find they are we colonials. They're really colonials. I'm not. They're patriarchal, matriarchal. I'm not. They're not very diverse. They're we centric. We are the world, the ruling world centric, even in church. I'm not. I'm we global and I'm more diverse, but I'm also Galatians 1, 1 and 2. I'm a pastor. I've already pastored online. For many years, I feel it's time now to pastor on land by divine appointment only if you want to be mentored. But, however, I learned a lot not to be your, not to be over you. I'm painting a model. I'm putting it together. This is what this has been, experimenting, trying it out, of Galatians 1, 1 and 2 for the future church, future ministry, should it be needed. What that is, is Paul. Paul says, I, an apostle, I, Paul, an apostle, a servant leader apostle, not sent out by any one person, any one group. I and the brothers, surely there are mothers and sisters that are with me. And this is my criteria for pastoring, for mentoring. All right, Paul says, I'm an apostle. He's not shocking. You know, it isn't capital A celebrity. It's not big I fall down and worship me. Not in the, That's not it is. Paul is the opposite. He is the servant leader, humble, lowercase letter A, apostle, and the offscouring of the world. Dung of the world. That means he could, he was lowly, but he was effective and mighty in Christ, in the things of Christ. Now we think of him as superstar, but I don't think, I think Paul would be horrified, frankly, and Jesus too, with what we got going today. So Paul says, I am an apostle sent out not by any one person. I'm not under somebody. I'm not under a group because then I can't be bought, micromanaged, controlled, or censored. I add for my sake. And then if I'm in your church, if I go to your church, because I like to visit churches, I like to go to churches. I don't have the church on land right now. I'm working on that. That's timing, you know, God's timing. I go, but I like to be under authority. I'm on their turf. I'm not on mine. So therefore, I can be have my own ministry and still get refreshed when I need it and help them out or just be there and get the word, you know, ministered to. I can go there 
when the Lord leads me and be still effective, but park my own calling at the door and then, so to speak, and then go out and enjoy and then go back and do my thing. So it's not a big deal. I teach authority because I've been under it and I know how to deal with it. No wrong authority as well. So this is not wrong authority. It's just never been taught publicly like this to my knowledge. So Galatians is the model for this minister. I am here, sent by the Lord, for anyone who feels it, but it's a the Lord's ministry, and I'm not over you. If you are a helper, a volunteer on staff, a pastor, or somebody, of course there is a chain of command, and you are on the team, and therefore should be in authority, and it is like it is you are a member, technically, for that reason. But I'm not under the law. My kind is going to be Holy Spirit-led and revealed, downloaded, like an Enoch type of move. Well, when we have this, we have to explain chain of command. I don't want hierarchy. I don't want who's over who. I like Apostle Paul. He says, I and the brothers that are with me. That means they're alongside me. I'm not over them. They're not over me. We are on God's community team. We're on the church's team the fellowship house team, building team, we are on the team together and there is a, you know, chain of command, but we are co-laborers. We're all equal. We may not have the same experience, the same maturity, the same mantle, the same calling, whatever, but we should complement and collaborate as the Lord leads and never compete or contrast and compare. And that is my model. I'm trying to, I really want this to get out. We want it to get out to help people because so much religion and force, guilt trips and fault finding accompany just going to church, how you do it, where you do it, when you do it. It's just a bunch of mixture. It really is. And there's no training on community. How you, how do you handle all these multiplied thousands and hundreds of thousands of styles of churches and Christianity. Well, you have to know how to do it through Paul. You do it through Paul and go to the Ephesians 4, the community model, which is to me representative of what Christ wants right now for unity, revival, and building a future church. What is it? It resembles the Philadelphian brotherly, motherly love walk church. The church whose only doors, whose never will close is the love walk church. All right. It's not a fault finding church. It's an edification church. It's a everyone equal church. It's a community made up of many kinds of dispositions, of styles, of flares, of musical styles, of Big, uh, huge ministries, tiny little ministries, people who just worship in a, you know, house or something or in the field or whatever they want to do. But it is a church, the church, not our church, our style, our kind, our clique, our clan, our club. That is the opposite. It's the anathema. You know, back in the day, two things. Paul said the first church went from house to house. They went from houses to houses. Well, now they could go from houses to mansions to hovels to mega churches to many campuses. But now we've gotten off the model of house to house. It's now, oh, we better stick to our kind and turf protect and call you a church hopper. 
their church hopper. That is huge. I was in Virginia when I found that out in 1998. I was in a pastor's meeting. I'd been invited to a pastor's meeting for, you know, cross-body unity type things in the area, cross-denominational meetings and revival for pastors. And after a meeting one day, I was near an Assembly of God, a Word of Faith pastor back then, small churches, nothing again. I'm for both groups, brands. But I happened to be in the same room after the meeting, and you couldn't help but hear their conversation. It was in 1998, and I heard one of them say to the other, Well, brother, I saw your sheep at my church the other day. In just that kind of voice, my sheep, your sheep, like they owned them. You know, I don't come from that. That shocked me, frankly, right there. But the second one replied, oh, yes, they're church hoppers. Just like it was the most diabolical and demonic sin you could ever think of church hopping. Now, I'm a Baptist. I don't think Baptists really go there or Catholic. You know, I don't, I don't think like that. I think what I would think, what I think now still, well, I'm just grateful they want to go to church. <laughs> I know too many who don't like going. I think we should be grateful they go to one church or two, 20 churches. But it's all in my opinion now. I think it's my opinion that it's about money. We're protecting our salary. We're protecting our turf because the money needs to come in. And, you know, you know, to balance it, it's hard. They do need money. You really do need money. But we got to get grow this thing to make it about community. You know, the African proverb is very famous. It takes a village to grow a child. I think in the sense of polling community, it takes a community of everyone not turf protecting but really submitted to god's whole counsel walking in love and the fear of the lord and say well you know if they come over to this church today because they feel it you know that would be immature people but at least they're going all right oh okay well hi i saw you the other day at the other you know welcome them be grateful they're there be thankful i also am going to be teaching when i can it's i got a lot going right here but i also be teaching on First Samuel principle, the old, you know, the offering of the Lord was despised in his day, that day, and it is now. It has been for dec all my life. And so I'm trying to think, how can I, how can we all do the offerings and tithes without making it to remake the Lord pleased that it's not infamous and talked down about, accused the offering of the Lord? That's another story. But my thought ties in with community. Listen, if everyone's turf protecting and guarding their turf and, you know, you know, watching it because, and having systems, legalism about the tithe, about attending church, keeping watch, who's over who too much, you're going to get what we got. Nobody wants to go. And also the stigma and also too much about money. Now, I'm not I'm going to talk both sides. But right now I'm thinking, well, what if they just said it's a community? Start training everybody in common doctrine against legalism. To start saying, everybody, you go where God is sending you. Stay there as long as God sends you and then leave. Only when he leads you to go out, even if it's 50 years or 30 days. Don't leave because you're critical, complainer, fault finder. Leave because it's Holy Spirit. And the pastor has to agree, you know, not to be controlling. The other part would be in a community sense that 
the tithe, non-legalistically, Malachi 3.10, says, bring your whole tithe to the storehouses, and then God will rebuke to devour all these nice promises. All right, my opinion, after all these decades, is why don't we just say, you figure out, everybody figure out where your storehouse is. Who is your storehouse? Is it the local church where you go? Is it online? Whatever it is, you figure it out. I say have two. You can have two or one, whatever, or 30. Whatever God tells you, it's not my business. I'm not a controller. So you say, bring all the tithes into the storehouse and then claim the promise. You're not doing it to get, get, but you are doing it because God has said, this is a way I'm allowing you to, you know, funnel in, you know, just to expect blessings, the anointing, but also you need to furnish and keep in business those houses, church houses, building houses, online houses, where YouTube houses, whatever, that are feeding you. And that is how I believe it. And I believe that if God tells people by themselves privately what to give and who to give to and not be forced and feel guilty and shamed, condemned, if they don't give in a certain expected fashion, the legalistic way that we've heard for years all my life, then I believe that God will allow those he wants to stay in business to keep on going, those he doesn't want to go out of business. And I think we need that. So I'm teaching I'm teaching family, I'm teaching village, I'm teaching community. You give where God tells you, I'll give where God tells me. Now I could go right now I'm going to a really wonderful friendly kind of church. I really like it. I have my own ministry. So what I did, I prayed about it. Right now we're started we're started in a growing phase. You know, we're in a new phase. We have to keep on growing to get out on the land in Charlotte like I feel we're called to. We're sent. But I give 50% to this, what I have, I give 50% to where I go. And then I give 50% to my own ministry. You know, the ministry of the Lord over here. And that's how I do it. If he's, And then I also give offerings to certain ones online, a couple of them online. So my storehouses are there and I'm very open about it. It doesn't bother me. I'm not a controller. I'm not a patriarchal type, a matriarchal type. But you got to hear God. And so we're going to keep on doing these types of doctrinal surveys, stirring up the thought, moving in the gifts, thinking new things, probing the doctrines, and assessing them. And we want to say that we also are in agreement for you if you have lack. I have lots of interesting ideas that I I don't have enough time or energy or will never get to all the ideas that I've got from the Lord. If anybody needs creative ideas, that's me. I'm a creative brainstormer and an original thinker like crazy. Rapidly get new ideas for anybody. So if you have need of new ideas, just write me at dfwleader at gmail.com. If you want an idea for X, Y, or Z, if I have it, I'll let you have it. Because I've got great ones. One of them I never did yet was called the Real Green Free Zone. The Real Green Free Zone came to me the other day. I got it 10 years ago in Dallas, but I could never do it. I had a lot of attack in Dallas. And it was about how you get a Christian meeting where you tell everybody from all the races and all the different styles to come. But when you come, you leave your race at the door and you think green. 
go for it thriving uh original you know organic let's go for it and i felt like that would be a great one to do so real green free zone is the one i felt like i wanted to do and i couldn't do it so that's an idea right there so i have lots of good stuff if you need it anyway we gotta go we're starting to run out of time and God is good, his mercy endures. If you want to donate, you can look at onlinefellowship.us, scan down the right side to find the PayPal, and you may donate whatever you want. We're asking $20 or less. $20 or less. We need 500 people of $20 a month, and that will meet our budget fine to go forward. Land ahead. That's what we're thinking. God is good. His ministry is in you in you through him through christ god is good as mercy endures this is tavo drcy from tavo creative leadership signing off for now god bless you bye bye